Welcome to Trending in Education, Season 8. The Ocho is upon us. Welcome back. We're going to talk Gardner Hype Cycle. We're going to talk Generative AI. Hated it. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. But before we do that, I have to welcome back to the show two people who've been on the show as much as any of us. Dan Strafford and Melissa Griffith, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thank you. Eight years, huh? I'm feeling old. I'm feeling old. Yeah. Dan? I feel about my age, but uh, it's good to be here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, way back when we started a podcast back in 2016. And I think by 2017 or so, we were tracking the the hype cycle, which comes out late summer or fall, and this will be dropping in early October. But it is always interesting to see what the folks at Gartner have on their famous hype cycle. The visuals are more appealing. If you can actually see, it's a little slope. You go up from the inception trigger, you go up to the peak of inflated expectations. Then you enter into the trough of disillusionment before the technology then begins to rise on the slope of enlightenment on its way to the plateau of productivity. It's very evocative language. It's an interesting graph. And then it's designed for like technology leaders, you know, CTOs, CIOs, so that you're able to talk about what's new and what's dropping. It's a little buzzword bingo too, where you got to learn the new terms as they come out. And Gartner does an okay job of explaining that. I think they try to put a lot of that behind their paywall. But it's still an interesting exercise. It's been fun. We've done it. Last time I think the three of us did it might have been 2020. First off, just high-level thoughts, and then we'll get into some of the details of what's on this year's hype cycle. But just general thoughts about the hype cycle and what it's like to talk about it. For me, we'll talk about 2023 more specifically. But overall, I would love to see the year-over-year trends Mm. more. And I know that's probably behind the paywall and more about discussions between Gartner and individual companies and tracking trends in that way. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see what was at, you know, peak of employee right. expectations five years ago, where that right. stands now. This year's especially is very back heavy in, in projections. We'll talk about that. But I, I think the hype cycle makes logical sense when you take the content out of it. So you can look at it as TV shows or sports teams or whatever. Like you can apply this to most anything. Yeah. And I think it's really helped me over the course of talking about it, track things that way. The last thing I'll say is I do feel like all of these hype cycles are condensing. Things are are rocketing up much faster and coming down much faster and then either going completely away or finding that plateau, uh, plateau of productivity. But right. Melissa, what, what, what about you? Well, well, and before we get to Melissa too, like right now, for example, where is the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift relationship on the hype cycle, which I think it's right there. I can't see it. I think it's, I, I think it's got staying power. I, I don't know. I mean, off, that's a separate, it's off the chart. It's a separate it's, topic. I, it's on its own. I, I, don't know what you guys are talking about. And I'm yeah. happy to say I don't know what you guys are talking about. Nice. Dan, I believe your excuse is daughters. Mike, I have no idea what your excuse is for that football. statement. Football, come football. on. Football. Football plus but, Taylor. I mean, like, she is a phenomenon. She is like, but it's interesting <laughs> in that, like, she's staying. No, she's I'm got, not. She's got I'm staying not. power. I am not going down this rabbit hole. Although I've heard, I, I heard Beyonce's, like, it's, it's who's the GOAT? Beyonce or Taylor Swift nowadays. Like that's another podcast episode. 
We're not doing that one, though. We're talking about the hype cycle. So I will say on the hype cycle, I found myself actually, Dan, to your point, going back and looking yeah. at what 2022 trends were. Then I realized I didn't have all the time in the world, so I didn't go back to 21 and those. But yeah. a lot of the trends are, you can see them shifting around a little bit on the cycle itself. The one thing I, just because the English major in me is coming out, it was driving me crazy that it was casual AI. And I was like, what is casual AI on the actual trend? I don't know if you guys saw this on the actual So I thought cycle. it was causal AI. It is causal AI. Oh, there's a typo. About, but on the actual graph, it says casual, yes. which seems so much cooler at the time. And then I right. got into it. They mean causal, right? <laughs> and that's right. It's like I just want to use I just want to use an LLM in a in a consensual yeah. way, no strings attached. <laughs> you know, it's just casual AI. You know, I, I mean? was very looking forward to casual AI because I looked at the graph before. Right? Yeah, and I was like very excited, and then yeah, but no casual AI. That's funny. I thought I just misread it, but I do remember thinking of that because that that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, because there's a ton of AI stuff on the hype cycle, and interestingly, there is an HBR article that we'll share as well, which is similarly talking about the hype cycle around AI and basically saying that we're oversaturated. You know, Gartner did put generative yeah. AI really at the, the point at which it's about to drop into the trough of disillusionment. You do imagine there will be some backlash. You know, most trends have counter trends. So, like, there will be a pushback against some of this. But I thought. The whole idea of getting into an AI winter felt like an overstatement to me, but the idea that there will be some pushback, there will be some, you know, cold water dropped on the AI party to some extent so that it's not going to be nonstop home runs, you know, champagne, rainbows, and all good stuff. Like there will actually be <laughs> problems, but what were y'all's thoughts on that? Because I did think the way... That article talked about machine learning versus artificial intelligence, getting at some of the nuance around the language, I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. So Eric Siegel, I have the luxury of having the article up. Not nice. I necessarily remember that. I actually think winter is coming. I feel it's a little bit, even in my use of gems of AI, like I feel like when it first came out, I was yeah. like when ChatGPT first came out, I was all over it. And uh, uh, just to be clear, was that a Game of Thrones reference? Okay. It's a game of trends, cool. friends. Cool. We talked sure. about Taylor Swift. We haven't been together in a while. I'm just making sure <laughs> we're still rolling. Okay. I can talk about other things. But no, I think gens of AI, it is losing a little bit of its luster. I think hallucinations are real. And I think it's, I almost feel it's getting worse. This may be just, I'm getting more tuned to when it's lying to me, but yeah. I feel it's getting worse. But that being said, I think that article, I think it's a good read. And it illustrated something that it has been frustrating me, especially in education, as, as we think about what we're building out. Yeah. How often AI is misused as a term right. to mean so many different things. And right. a lot of people are talking about machine learning when they're talking about AI. And then some people are talking about generative AI. And everyone's like, we need to be doing AI. But no one actually knows what that means. And I think the expectations are too high. And I think that's what's going to cause the backslash. So I'm, I'm in agreement with Eric. Moving forward, I think we're going to get out of it. But I do think we have to hit the truck to yeah. take it back to this cycle. I've been thinking about it a little bit, at like kind of like global warming. AI is running so hot, like at a climactic level, that I'm not sure winter will actually be that cold. Follow the money and the money is going to be going into doing more of this type of research. And then also, if you look at the acquisitions that are happening within right. this space and the the funding where it does feel like there is, a, you know, a new 
AI space race that is underway, you know, geopolitically with China and the rest of the world. And then, you know, more from a big tech perspective, everybody's looking for their edge. And that's why even, you know, seeing things like open AI opening up chat GPT to voice as news that just came out, the business and technology news cycle is going to continue to be flooded with news because it's going to be driven by all the capital and all the activity that's happening around the space, unless and until we find the new hotness that the capital is going to go to, it just feels like a place where you're going to see some return on these models. The, the models are going to get better, I, I would imagine. I can't imagine them getting worse. Yeah, so to unpack a couple things there. One, I think the models will get better, although I don't know if we know which models are going to win. There's an element of tech debt that you're going to have. If the companies that jump in now and if they go all in with one model and are so embedded with it, I think they're going to have challenges. And that's one of those things that you think about how you're going to yeah. invest. Uh, Duolingo and OpenAI is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to worry about that. You're hitting my sweet spot because I've been looking at a lot of investment companies, companies to invest in right now. And the challenge I see with AI right now is everyone talks about AI. Like you cannot get a pitch yes. without, oh, we're doing this in AI. And when you dig into it, it's clearly AI or generative AI, I should say, yeah. to, to be more specific about it. They're doing a lot of odd things. I think to your point about winners and losers, you can't lose in this, right? Because if you don't know what you're doing in AI, I think people are going to pay premium prices for companies that are going to go bust because they're not in it. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I think that's going to be a challenge for people trying to buy their way into the hype. Right. Although I do think as a individual operator, it's a great time because you can tap into what's new and emerging and move pretty quickly and be responsive yeah. and opportunistic in yes. ways that larger organizations will move more slowly. And then similarly, I think you can follow the money a little bit just to see where the business activity is yeah. moving. If you're a consultant nowadays, you do need to be AI fluent. You need to be AI yeah. literate and you need to be able to talk about it with some confidence. And that is a new set of skills that really weren't required of any of us, you know, e even two or three years ago. You both hit on something that's important in any conversation is the difference for the individual user versus the businesses and the companies that are going through these processes, right? So I think Melissa's take applies to both though, in that you are getting sort of this flooding the field. All of this is just sort of out in the world and we're seeing what works. And for yeah. any individual or company who goes all in on one thing, it's going to be a little bit more muddied than someone who is able to sit back, wait, yeah. see what wins, see what's best, see what goes from there. I find the language fascinating. And Melissa, you hit on this yeah. as well. Of Who's using the proper terms? Are we misusing terms to a point that they are causing problems, causing miseducation, causing misunderstanding of what something's supposed to do? And does right. that affect the product outcome? Meaning, do I expect this chat GBT to do something specific? And when yeah. it doesn't, I'm out. It, right. it doesn't do what yeah. I expect. And I'm just, I'm done. Or mid-journey with the, the artwork that's out there. If I think it's because it's been hyped up for something it is not, much like that HBR article I talked to, does that then cause the dip into the trough of disillusionment? Is does there a chilling cause? effect? Yeah. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. But I do, I, I wanted to go back to what you said, Mike. I do think there's so much out there that it's not going to be a winter. I don't think it's going to chill to the point where 
it becomes a non-factor, but it'll just become a non-factor for someone like me or someone who is yeah. not necessarily in this world. I think it might be a fog. We're in like a fugue state. I think that there's not a clear path. You know, it's kind of Virgil in Dante's Inferno. You need someone who's a little bit further up the mountain to kind of help you find your way. Right. Maybe it's Tenzing Norgay. I'm going back to the Game of Thrones metaphor. I, just, I think it's yeah. winter, winter's coming, but we're going to fight our way through it. There are going to be some companies that are going to come out of this a lot stronger. All right. So now who's Daenerys so Targaryen? Open, and who's open AI is Jon Snow. But beyond that, I, I haven't really mapped much. Okay. I'll say, um, just tie it all together. I do. I think one of the tech companies or multiple tech companies will win in this process. And I, I think one of the first things I did, part about generative AI, I put my money in, in a lot of tech stock. Yeah. I thought we're going to have a chance at it because I think there will be a winner in it. Mm -hmm. And whoever wins is going to make a lot of money. And so I was trying to jump yeah. on. Well, and then interestingly, Amazon is now an investor in Anthropic, and I've been using Anthropic a little more, and I actually think they deserve a shout out and that they're at least yeah. putting down in writing how they're thinking about AI privacy and rights and building appropriate yeah. safety into the use of AI as sort of an organizing principle for their company, Claude has been my assistant on several shows, Claude.ai. I haven't had him on the show. You know, Nancy is still... I was uh, like, I, Nancy's getting jealous. Yeah, Nancy's really heading up the AI union nowadays. But then also at the same time, unions are making a push. Like there are other things that are happening now in the broader culture, which I yeah. think is in some ways driven by, again, like global tide change around AI. Humans are becoming more pro-union, pro-labor in part because they are feeling the existential threat of losing their jobs to like a technology that they actually understand, like the yeah. writer's strike. And that was a surprising place to see AI presenting an existential threat to humans because, you know, we work in the information areas and we're creatives and we're safe. But I do think that's yeah. been the part of this wave that has been most, it's almost causing like a shudder, a shuddering effect. Things that we thought humans would be best at are, are suddenly up in the air, and it does really change the way you think at a very personal level. It's changing the way I think about the future of work. Yeah, I mean, plus one to that, one of my dark horse picks is Adobe and Adobe Firefly, mm. right? And how, like, as a creative, I've been playing around with it as it's free right now, how easy it is to just swap out backgrounds more yeah. than it ever has been before. Mm -hmm. in that area i think that is where there's a lot of risk because when you're generating a lot of content yeah right like that's what i think it's going to strive at so i do i think creatives are very much at risk with this like, how are we as a society as a country as government you know trying to create laws how are we determining what's teaching the ai and how are we making sure right. the ethics behind that are taken care of talking about the writer's strike yeah it wasn't just the output of the AI. It was also what was feeding the AI. Mm -hmm. was, were yeah. were they allowed to take movie scripts? Were they allowed to take books and feed it through yeah. and have Pod it be podcast transcripts? Dan, exactly right, exactly <laughs> right. And so it all becomes part of this larger discussion. That I, I again go back to the language of all of it of how we're navigating it at the the you know lawmaking level and and ethics and that. And then the individual level. I've loved ChatGPT. I've been using it for as long as I've had access to it. It's really. I've always been someone who is pretty quick to be negative. I don't like this. I want it to go away. And then realizing, how can this help me? Right. How can this thing make my life easier? Melissa used to talk about it when we did data shows yeah. about, you know, if the data, if Google having your data makes your life easier, then right. have at it. 
Right. Um, and that's the way I look at ChatGBT is yeah. I've used it for work. Hey, write me a script about yeah. virtual twin experiences. And it's never, it's not perfect yet. And there's editing that needs to be done. But I look at it as a research assistant, right? Sure. If, I can, if I can type it in, and that's where I think I'm comfortable with what AI is right now, yeah. what it is and how it will give back to me. This hype cycle is heavy into it and heavy. We, I talked about it before the backloading of all of these moments. Right. And then the thing we've talked about in the past, Mike, is how they also try to timestamp them or, or give yeah. windows onto which they will come to fruition or not. So it was fascinating to see one that had nothing beyond the peak of the cycle. And then the, the years they ascribed to it weren't as far out distant wise as I would have thought. It was a lot of two to five and five to 10 years. Right. In the past, we've seen more than 10 years, right. a lot. And that didn't really happen other than stuff that, you know, neuro-symbolic uh, AI and cybersecurity mesh architecture were the two that were 10 years or more. Right. Uh, Which is funny because just the other day I was doing some neuro-symbolic <laughs> AI on a cocktail napkin at Outback Steakhouse, right. which, you know, if only I hadn't thrown it out. Exactly. It is crazy. Also, I, I do think back, you know, because we've been doing this show eight years, you know, we were talking about Kurzweil and the singularity as, you know, something mid-2020s, mid 2030. So far off in the future, I still remember 2020 talking about 2030 Farsight, you know, like, how do you right. look ahead that far? And now it's like, we're creeping up on 2024. We're just coming out of this global pandemic and, you know, social uprising. And now these new like AI tools are flooding the market and, you know, putting human productivity into question in ways that maybe it hasn't before. We are living in the future. I've gotten through one episode of Black Mirror so far because it's too much like my life. It was interesting back in 2016, the halcyon days of whatever, I would watch some Black Mirror and be like, oh, what a lovely escape. Robot dogs, he might shoot me. Now I'm like, when are the robot dogs going to be on the street? And yes. how much do I need to hide in my house? Well, you're in New York. There's the robot Dog yes, that's being released on the subway. There's so, a robot uh, cop too. You guys are supposed to say spoiler alert before you say stuff about Black Mirror. Mike, for you, you've been doing this for years, and we we track, we try to track, and we try to yeah. track trends in education. These are right. trends in AI. You've used it a lot, though. You you were using Descript as the platform, right? Yeah. Of, of AI sort of mm -hmm. editing. Yeah, um, it's made your life easier, right? Yeah. And so, from your perspective, that's sort of that individual approach. It makes yeah. my individual life easier. I'm using it. I know how to use it. I'm learning about it. Yeah. I wonder we're, from your perspective. We're tool makers, tool users, you know, and the tools are, the cycle time on the tools is moving a lot faster. So like you exactly. want to stay on top of the emerging tool set. And then it's getting a lot easier to your point about Firefly. Like that development is happening kind of in parallel across all the authoring platforms and that's where it's becoming much easier to produce higher quality outputs 100 percent. so obviously i've said it before i welcome my robot overlords but yeah. one of the things you hit on my about productivity i actually think for people who stay on the forefront of this technology it actually increases their productivity right right and i for one i am probably one of those people that's very much like bring it on change is inevitable let's figure out how we use it and leverage it and right. I think AI has made a lot of my job so much easier, right? Like yeah. even Google Bard and the fact that Google has released it onto its search where it, right. it gives more information on search. 
these things are helpful to me for sure. uh, in my life. And so it, it makes everything quicker. If it makes me quicker at doing uh, basic tasks, mm-hmm. then the higher level order thinking, which I think as a human I'm still capable of, is also aided by it. And so I think, I don't know, obviously none of us could predict the future, but I, I do think jobs will be lost and jobs will be created just exactly. like in every revolution. I think the net is going to be the same, right? So they're going to be winners and losers, but I don't think we're... I don't think I'm quite being able to retire on the beach because the robots are taking. <laughs> well, it's also, if they're going to be winners and losers, how do you stay on the right side of history? Right. You know, well, it's the well, Which we... is the winner and which is the loser? Is Am I the winner if I get to retire on the beach and the robot is just like dictating my life? For me? I think it depends on who writes the screenplay. Right, exactly right. <laughs> there it is. Who writes the, who writes the story? But I, I think, Melissa, you're hitting on the, the fascinating point of this all for me around Turning to education, three daughters in school. We had back to school night last night. We're seeing technology in math class. The math teacher showed us Desmos was the platform. It's a new math platform where they, instead of using a compass to draw things, they do it virtually Mm. on the website and it does it for them. And it, it, all right, so great. We're using the technology. We're moving forward with it. My biggest concern around AI, Mike, is are we teaching people how to use it? and not how not to use it, right? Mm-hmm. So the big concern when AI came out, oh, high school students and college students are gonna use this to write their papers. Right. Oh, we're, we're all yes. screwed, college education is down the chute, we're all, all over and done with. But what I said before I meant, I'll use it as a starting point. And if yeah. we can teach high school students and teach college students, this is a research tool, this is to help you, Melissa, to your point, this is making your life easier, it is not a finished product. It is not what you're submitting to me. You need to do work. You need to do research. Yeah. Teach them the basics. Take out. Yeah. This was written by yeah. GPT. That's like a, a exactly. basic starting point. Well, it's the like... same thing. You know, a lot of research papers have been written off of Wikipedia and they've been massaged yep. and tweaked if you're smart about it. And lo and behold, I know, copied it's... out of the encyclopedia. I mean, it was on my shelf. Dad, but you're I... dating yourself. You're dating to yourself. But that's the point. Is right. That it, to most Time keeps moving. Dan, what's, a, what's an encyclopedia? An encyclopedia is a group of books in yeah. alphabetical order that yeah. was like Google, except you had to tell your older brother to help you search it. Yeah. Okay. It's it. nice, though. Like, I do like, I miss the whole compendium idea. The idea that you can contain all this stuff physically in, in one place. like, yep. a thing. And then, you know, it's obviously dated, but it is. It we is are. In- it's called the internet. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of comes back to the point I've been making for a while. The 21st century is the century of the interface. The interfaces are constantly changing. We have to get better at adapting to them. Mobile phones didn't exist. We were all, you know, thumbing out BlackBerry messages 15 years ago and thinking it was cutting edge. Little did we know everything was going to be on our phones. Then what is it going to be in next? And then this is like a quantum shift in terms of the types of interfaces that are available to us, much more personalized. They can become human-like, quirkier, and then they can also be well-trained and pointed at good problems if you figure out how to play the game. And you play to win the game. Right. Shout out to Herman Edwards. No, I think you play to keep on playing, but... They are who we thought they were. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just riffing here. But all right, this is amazing to get you all back. Actually, let's read through real quick. The groupings will include Mm -hmm. the hype cycle here. In addition to emergent AI, which is their first theme, that includes ideas like AI simulation, causal, not casual AI, although I'm, I'm still curious, 
federated machine learning, graph data science, neural symbolic AI, and reinforcement learning. So those are all terms. They're broken down. We, you can read more if you're interested. Second theme is around developer experience. So this is the idea of going more developer-centric, I guess, so that it's easy yep. to kind of build those workflows, do your software development, and sort of manage those value streams more effectively. It was right. interesting that they talked about that. It makes sense, though, if you're thinking like a CTO, CIO, and you want to be talking about what you want to be working on next. Then they get into the pervasive cloud where, you know, there are more architectural implications to the way cloud can be used in the new world. And then the fourth theme is human-centric security and privacy. Interesting term there, AI trism, AI trust, risk, and security management. This is the part that I do like, like the buzzword bingo piece, where now I kind of feel at least a little bit ahead of the game if somebody drops new language. And then, of course, if I want to drop a language bomb or two, I now have some yeah. new ones that I can use. Any thoughts on what they put together on, I, I around do, these themes and I, the topics? I do want to put it out there before we talk about anything else. AI Trism is my rap name moving forward. So Nice. nice. I'm going to give a shout out to Pervasive Cloud and mm. in particular, Augmented FinOps. This has been a theme that I think we should have accelerated this a while ago, which is like, how do we bring the agile and continuous development to the financial processes yeah. of budgeting and cost management? I, I think this is a place that's ripe for disruption. So I'm glad to see it. You're going to be in the metaverse with like an Andy Circus kind of suit on, and you're going to be doing the financial planning in three dimensions in VR. Is that right? I'm, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully I will be in VR doing something else. Because, right, you're, that's uh, the beach. It's a VR uh, beach is, that you're on. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. That's the VR beach that I'm on because this type of work is actually automated and become far more efficient. This is one of the places where right. I think machine learning is going to be far better than us at budgeting and forecasting. Yeah, that was the part of the Eric Siegel article that I, I did like, which is more machine learning and predictive analytics and a lot of those things that are maybe less sexy. They're probably more on the plateau of productivity. Is that what it's called? They're probably yeah. more just downstream and less interesting to like a CTO. You know, they're almost viewed as like legacy technologies by this point. That's really where the rubber is, is meeting the road. Can you actually execute and not be distracted into this AI fog and say, it's not really artificial intelligence. It's a predictive model. Here's what I need to use and why. And then being very focused in how you're able to apply these new technologies. Because I think you're right. There's still a lot of really antiquated systems and like inefficient ways of working that are still yeah. almost the norm out there. Yeah, I think there's so many systems that are ripe for disruption just by more data being fed into these machine learning and, and being generated out. And I think I, for one, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, because that allows the people who are currently doing those jobs to do, again, much more insightful yeah. and impactful work to organizations. So, yeah. And then what about from a learning and skill development perspective? Because it does feel like from an education trend, it's something I'm trying to get at ahead of is yeah. what's the implications to education as an industry, as a field and like learning as something we're doing as individuals. What are some of the implications from your perspective? You know, I had this conversation with a junior colleague of mine recently. I look at my career trajectory and I've always loved learning. I've always been trying to stand forefront of new technology. And one of the things I said was, look, the world I grew up in was a much simpler time. I could have probably stayed in a job 
for quite a while and advanced up at it. But right now, I think the implications for what AI and even all just the rate of change in technology yeah. is that the job you're doing today, if you're coming fresh out of college, is not going to exist by the time you're ready to retire. And you're probably going to change your job a couple more times. So the nature of learning has to change, right? You have to keep learning and growing in, in your organization yeah. if you're going to stay relevant. Teaching people more how to learn and more how to keep learning. Actually, I think it's a benefit, but that's because I love to learn. But yeah. if, well, if you were just looking to go out of college and stay, I think right. you're going to have some problems. Yeah, and it's almost like the mindset, you know, even going back to Carol Dweck, growth mindset yeah. is one aspect of it, yeah. but it's also there's an element of curiosity, adaptability, experimentation, being genuinely interested in problems. The other area that I've heard discussed a lot as uniquely human and something that humans need to focus on is problem formulation, which yeah. is really, and then where does the technology go? Where does the capital go? Where does the human attention and energy go? And arguably, you know, we're focusing a lot of the new technologies on the wrong problems. And yes. what we need to do is start to figure out, you know, A, are we actually steering? And then assuming that we are, can we steer towards the right problems? Yeah. And, and just for education companies, definitely, how do you put AI into learning? But how do you put AI into all your audit processes as well? AI and all the audit technologies into some of your audit processes to really actually make these companies more efficient and be able to put more of their money to focus on actually what matters to the customer yeah. and to the student. I'm excited. I'm actually really excited for the yeah. first time to be doing this, to be here. And so, yeah, I, I think we're in a good place. Awesome. Melissa, it's great to get you back. Great to get Dan back on the show. I appreciate you having me back on, Mike. Always good to be here. We'll see where the story goes, as always. To be continued. Exactly. Thanks, folks, for listening. Thanks, Dan, for the return engagement. Melissa, thanks again for rejoining. Always happy to be here with you, Nan. Awesome, man. Our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We're back, baby. Season eight, trending in Ed. We're out. Bye.